Hey, what up, Long Beach? We are going through a whole range of emotions this week on the only podcast that updates you on everything happening with our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. As always, we're the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio. This podcast brought to you as part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. We've been doing a ton of sports and also education coverage for the Post. You can uh, click over to lbpost.com and see our coverage of this week's LBUSD school board meeting right now. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. We are very excited to have our special guest today, Lakewood football head coach Scott Meyer, a legacy football guy. Perfect timing with Lakewood starting their season. Finally, hopefully, fingers crossed this Friday against Long Beach Poly. And I got to say, guys, Last Friday, I felt like I wasn't wearing green today. I should have been pinched because I couldn't believe the high school football was back. You're absolutely right. It was happening so slowly for so long. And then all of a sudden, somebody just flipped the switch like the early 2000s Lakers used to do in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, we're back. We got all these sports happening. We've got all the previews for the high school stuff available right now at the 562.org. Obviously, football leading the way. And we're going to timestamp it. It is 2 o'clock on Wednesday. But last Friday, seeing those Friday night lights was just so amazing. But like I said at the top, we went through a wide range of emotions because on Friday morning, I woke up to text messages saying that the game I was supposed to cover, Lakewood at St. Anthony at Clark Field, was canceled because of a positive COVID-19 test for the Lakewood Lancers. Obviously, everybody disappointed but it was almost so familiar. It was like, yeah, of course something got canceled. We've been living for the last 12 months watching things get canceled. So that kind of felt familiar, even though it was a massive bummer. And we're going to talk to Scott Meyer about that, obviously. Yeah, but it, but it, it is worth noting, uh, you know, Scott talked about it being a bummer for the, the kids and the coaches, but it, it really is a bummer for everyone. I, I mean, it's a bummer for us. You know, it's a bummer for all the parents who, you know, have been trying to guide their kids through this time. Um, we've been reporting over the last couple of weeks. And as JJ said, you go from starving in the desert, you know, or, or <laughs> dying of thirst to being thrown into the middle of the Pacific ocean in terms of the amount of games happening. We've seen oh, how, how, cru- how cruel you can't even drink that water. <laughs> well, that's it's Yeah. I mean, that's how it feels to me. It's like trying to drink from a fire hose. Like you go from, Oh, this is great. I covered my first game in eight months to, Oh, there's nine things I'm supposed to be at this week. Um, but, you know, it's just we've seen how meaningful that's been to all the parents and kids who've been out there for cross country and water polo. Um, and, you know, but there's nothing like high school football. I, I, it's an event of a completely different kind. Um, and so we're happy for those kids. First of all, it's worth noting, JJ did timestamp it. Um, the case rate for L.A. County was under 7.0 again this week, which means uh, testing not required for water polo or football. And uh, the LBUSD and uh, I believe St. Anthony. Uh, teams as well did not test um and so we we will every game that's on the schedule in a week where the case rate is under seven will you know knock on wood go forward um because they're they're not going to be testing you know whether you agree with or don't agree with it that's what the guidelines say um and so we're we're going forward and very happy for those liquid kids uh, and the st anthony kids who are going to be at home this friday as well um that they finally get to hopefully it was just that one last you know, um, the carrot being snatched away from you as you reach for it, and then they actually get to play this week. Well, and we did have coverage of the scrimmage that St. Anthony put on um, on Saturday in response to their game being canceled. So we will we will find a way to cover as much as we can, even as these hurdles, um, you know, unavoidably, you know, we expect them to crop up and things will get rescheduled and changed. And don't forget weather delays. 
things can always get in the way. So um, we will continue to pivot and uh, just continue to do our best to bring as much coverage as possible. But it wasn't all bad news because we did get a heck of a football game and some familiar sights. I mean, that Polly Sarah game, kind of an instant classic. And you guys were both both there for that one. Um, I mean, just the pomp and circumstance came through on the, the live stream and it just seemed like just one of those playoff atmosphere type games. It wasn't only in week one, it was week one after <laughs> like right. a year off. So that must've been like a fire hose to the face. It, what was it like being it, there for you guys? It, it was a more things change, more they stay the same. Cause all the things you just said are true. And yet at the same time, every time Polly and Sarah play, it's an amazing game. Like, uh, those games have been decided by one score the last four times they've played and usually by like four points, you know, it's not usually a team up by two scores and another team scoring a touchdown right before it ends. They've been thrilling, exciting games. And, uh, I think if you had told JJ and I a month ago, Hey, uh, you know, in, in mid March on, on March, uh, 12th or whatever it was, you guys are going to be at Cabrillo High School covering Polly playing Sarah in an overtime football game. I don't think there's any way in hell we would have believed you <laughs> that that was going to happen this school year. So it was a really special treat for sure. Um, and I think you can see how meaningful it was to the Polly players. I, I wrote about it in my game story, but you know, one of the one of those players, one of those seniors, literally was was at his dad's funeral on the day of the game. Um, that's a program where. Uh, uh, several players have lost parents, um, several players have lost grandparents. The program itself lost uh, Keith Slice Thompson, a good friend of ours who had been a coach there for a couple decades. Um, and they were really all grieving still. And, and yet you can see the joy of as bad as everything is, we get to come together and play this game. Um, and it, it, to be honest with you, it really, it was a very, really special feeling. I would put it up there with the CIF championship game, just of seeing that emotion come out of those kids. It was a real reminder of how important this stuff is. Um, even if it seemed less significant as, as the world has been on fire for the last year. Well, and, and quickly, I just got to add, I mean, it felt like a CIF championship game. And as someone who wasn't there, the coverage that came out of that game, I know I might be just a little bit biased, but the, the coverage was a championship level experience from, from Mike, your game story to JJ, your Epic video to, and even the and photo gallery from John DePollin and Art O'Neill, our friends at all in press. I mean, the, the coverage was completely knocked out of the park. So I just got to say as a, <laughs> as someone who wasn't at the game, I mean, the experience was unbelievable to be able to relive that. So just, just wanted to give a shout out to you guys. Good looking out, obviously good looking out to all the adults in charge of that event from the security to the people on the sideline, to the people in the stands, you know, the adults made that happen for the kids as should be the case always in high school sports. And we really felt it. I mean, I, I said afterwards, just watching the celebrations, you know what I mean? The plays were great. There were like five highlight plays that we could have at the end of the season being one of our top plays of the, of the season. And it was the celebrations that just got me so excited that these kids were excited, seeing the smiles on their face, seeing faces, right? <laughs> you know, 12 months, seeing people's masks, and now we got to see those faces, and they were all so happy. Even in the uh, post-game handshake line, you know, there were still smiles on kids' faces because they're back, and it feels so good to be back. But then you also have this thing where the entire pandemic, the whole year, changes the way you feel about things that happen, right? So Milliken goes to low South. The game doesn't go the Rams' way. But the Millican Rams still got to play a football game on Friday night, right? Like I talked to the Long Beach Poly boys soccer coach Eric Leone after their game this week, and he said this pandemic has changed everything, including me. 
Like he didn't cut any seniors. He lets everybody play. Like the expectations of a head coach are changing. Therefore the program's changing and these kids are changing. So it's almost as if when you go to cover a high school sporting event, you have to cover the final score, but you also have to cover the feel of the event because the feel of the event is really what people are going to remember in a season like this, where we're playing in the spring and there's no playoffs. As you may have been hearing, uh, the change in tiers in Los Angeles County as we moved into the red tier here in L.A. County, the city of Long Beach, means that indoor dining for restaurants is back open for the first time in quite some time. And we're happy to tell you that our good friends at Naples Rib Company are welcoming guests inside their restaurant again this week. If you are looking for that first celebratory, I've I've got my shot. I'm going out to celebrate. Naples Rib Company, ribcompany.com. Get down there, tell them the 562 sent you. If, like my wife and I, you're still waiting a little bit, they also are still obviously doing uh, the outdoor dining and the takeout option. I think we're probably going to get our takeout order from there on Thursday this week. But either way, continue to support Naples Rib Company as they're trying to make it through this difficult time for all restaurants and small businesses in Long Beach. And make sure you tell them that you're supporting them because they support the 562. We now bring on our special guest. He's part of a famous family and football coaching legacy, but he's also just a good dude and one of our friends. It's Lakewood football coach Scott Meyer. Coach, how you doing out there? Great, JJ, and uh, it's good to be called special on a Wednesday afternoon, so thank you for that. It's always a good to be with you guys. Uh, First question, as we've been asking everyone, but uh, I'm especially asking uh, fellow parents, you know, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How are the kids doing? How's everyone just kind of handling the uh, now 53 week long uh, pandemic? Thanks for asking. We're we're all great. I mean, uh, my son Kingston in sixth grade, he's about to go back uh, to Rogers Middle School in April doing a hybrid model. Uh, so he's excited to, to get back and see his friends a little bit more often. And everyone else is, is doing well. So we've, we're making it through this, you know, just like you guys. And just looking now at the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel with restaurants opening and, and all that good stuff. So hoping it continues to progress in the right way. We were so bummed to get the news on Friday that you guys weren't going to play St. Anthony. Obviously, you must have been very disappointed as well. Walk us through what happened last Friday, and how did you find out about the positive test that forced you guys to not play that game? Yeah, we were all shocked. We, we tested Tuesday, and right before the test, talked with Mike Wadley, you know, the COVID number for 100,000 had dropped. Shoot, I think 5.2. So there was really no need to test. Um, but the word was the tests were ordered, so let's just go ahead and do it. Practice Tuesday, practice Wednesday, went through our Thursday walkthrough practice, and we we're heading in to, to pass out the game uniforms. And Wads grabbed me, um, so I threw the keys to our assistant coaches to pass out the uniforms, and he said we had one positive test. So the rest of the team was in getting their uniforms, um, had no idea what was going on. The coaches had no idea. And I met with Chris Thompson, our assistant principal, and Mike Wadley, and they let me know um, we had the one test. Uh, they weren't sure at that time what it meant. And just to, you know, hang in there and wait and see. So got the uniforms out, got the kids out of there. I didn't mention anything to the coaches because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And woke up Friday morning, uh, immediately text Mike Wadley, who was already meeting with Chris Thompson, 
and they probably didn't sleep much at all that night and, and talking it over, you know, they made the decision that probably best, you know, to, to cancel the game. It's just, it's really, really unfortunate, you know, for both, both sides. And um, I guess it's probably best always to err on the side of caution if there was an error, but um, just a lot of confusion and, um, you know, players just really bummed after a year um, since we told them to go home and, and pack up their stuff because school was shutting down. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that because, um, you, you know, a lot of the, the responsibility for this, uh, the confusion rests with the, the California Department of Public Health. They, they issued a testing requirement, but they did not put out guidelines for what to do with those tests, you know. And I think that the county guidance, if I'm remembering, was um, if there were three or more positive tests, you know, on a team, it's an automatic cancellation. Um, you guys were at one. And I, I think, you know, by all rules, obviously the, the player who tested positive, you know, sits until, until he's testing negative. But I think by all the rules, you guys technically could have played. Um, but I, I had the same conversation with Wadley. I'm sure you did. It's like, it's just, it's still such a, a difficult time. Um, with the pandemic to, you know, push forward on things like that. So do you, you ultimately feel like they made the right decision though? It sounds like in, in, in being as cautious as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if we go and play and we happen to have some other kids that we didn't know about that had since come down with COVID then we, we spread it to St. Anthony and, you know, their team, and then maybe they go home to some older, you know, parents or grandparents and, you know, get them seriously ill, I think you got to really look at yourself. And, and that would be really tough to, to know that you could have made a decision to prevent that. You know, as bummed as we were for the kids. The confusing part, you know, we can't play Friday. And then I asked, because I didn't know, did, you know, do we all quarantine? What, what happens? Right. No, you're, you're back on the field Monday practicing. I'm, do we have to test? No, you're, you're good to go. You're back on the field Monday practice. And so that part to me is, you know, a little, little confusing. I guess I'm not smart enough to understand how all that works, but to, to well, not well, play Friday and then be right back at it on Monday. It was, I, I, but I, I think that's, I mean, I think that's exactly it. And I, you know, we've talked about this on this podcast, like some of the safety uh, protocols are going to be sort of theater, right? That it's just like, you know, it just doesn't feel right to have a football game happen the day after you got a positive test. Now, by all the guidelines, does anything, you know, the game could have been played. You guys can practice Monday. You can play this Friday. Like you said, there's no testing requirement, but it, it, it is, it, it highlights how much of this is, is honestly about feeling, you know, and about the, the, the feeling of safety as opposed to um, if everyone did the maximum allowable stuff, right? Like you guys would have played and, and, but as you point out, there would have been, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have been real happy as a St. Anthony parent, you know, finding that out. So I, I get all sides of it, but it is definitely, you're a football coach. You like to have the rules be pretty, make sense to everyone and everyone know what they are and be able to answer questions about them. And that, you know, it's just not really the world that we're in at the moment. But don't you think, don't you think the reaction would have been different if the COVID numbers were going in the other direction? If you guys would have gotten that positive test on a Friday and the COVID numbers were going up 5.2 as opposed to down 5.2, the reaction from Mike Wadley, the district, I think would have probably been different. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree, JJ. And I think yeah. I, I think I think that I think the timeline also has to do with it too. I mean, I you know, and I, I just 
Um, I was texting with Wads like I'm horrible, just hugely sympathetic to the kids on your team. Like you said, like I think people we won't really understand for a long time what we put uh, kids through, you know, over the last year um, when when they're the group that is, uh, you know, that is the least affected by this virus. But there's been so much carrot offered in front of them to keep training, keep working, you know, keep keep the faith. And to get to literally the day that you thought you were going to get to play a game and have it snatched away, um, what was their mindset like? I mean, were, were they just like, okay, on to next week? Or, or did you have to take a minute and let that kind of breathe? Yeah, it was pretty much take a minute and let it breathe, I think. I mean, we were really all grinding. You know, we got the word to start practicing the end of February and what was it, maybe two and a half weeks. Um, of really going hard just to get all of us get ready to play. I, I crashed on Friday. After I got that news, I really crashed. I can only imagine what, what our players felt like. And, you know, the, the messages, huddle messages, text, all that stuff, just a lot of different questions of just, you know, not really understanding why. Um, but I think as, as we got through the weekend, and my wife kind of pointed out to me, you know, she said, by the time you, you get back out there Monday and it'll be a whole new week and it'll be kind of behind you. So um, we had a really good Monday. You know, sometimes Mondays after a weekend are not, not some of the best days, but I thought we had a really good Monday. So I was really proud of the way our guys, you know, bounced back from a, a major letdown on Friday. Yeah, and, and we wanted to kind of ask about that, you know, in such a weird year, um, you know, every practice that we've gone to has felt, you know, a little bit off from what we would normally expect to see. Um, certainly, you know, a lot of programs are struggling with numbers this year, but I know, you know, you guys have a pretty solid group out there. What, what's, what's practice been like? Is there, a, is there a good sense of urgency from your players? They're just excited to be out there and, and, and itching to go. Yeah, they are. I mean, our numbers have been really solid. Um, attendance has been really good. And just to, to be able to get out and run around and hit some people a little bit and be around their, their teammates and friends is, has been really good. It, it does feel a little weird, you know, this time of year, um, but I think we're all starting to get, get in the swing of it a little bit and um, feeling as close to normal as possible, I guess. I got a chance to come out to your practice for the season preview and was very impressed with Anthony Ionson as you have been. You're coaching him as a quarterback. You're coaching him as a defensive back and made the incredible comparison to John Timu who won more league player of the year in 2008 for you at Jordan, just like Anthony Ionson. He also played defensive back and quarterback. So the parallels are there. All he's got to do is, you know, be the best player in the league now. <laughs> yeah. And he, he just needs a little experience. You know, obviously he played his freshman year focused on soccer and baseball sophomore year. Um, so, you know, give him some games back there at quarterback. He'll get more and more comfortable. Um, You'll see his athleticism. I know you already have. Um, but with some experience, I think he'll end up, you know, especially by the end of, of next year, a uh, special player in the league, you know, a special player that is, has gone through Lakewood. He just needs, needs some game experience, and, and these five games will be really, really great for him. As a quarterback coach, how much do you try to manage a quarterback's personality if they're not the rah-rah, in-your-face, get guys going, get guys in the huddle, get them out type dude? You know, Anthony Ionson isn't as much of a yeller, but like you said to me, he does command respect. He's got poise. He's got confidence. The other kids listen to him. How much is that you telling him how to be like that when that leadership might not come naturally to him? Yeah, I don't push him to be, you know, a, a super rah-rah 
um, yelling type leader. Um, you know, I just remind him that, you know, these guys look up to you, you know, not only for your ability, but you're the quarterback and, you know, take charge and, and they're going to listen and respond to you. Um, but I, I, it's hard to really change a, a guy's personality. And especially this year, we're, we're asking him to do an awful lot, just coming out and jump into basically four different positions. Um, so I'm just helping him, you know, with his, his football side of it more and, and not pushing him to, to really get outside of that, that box right now as a, as a vocal leader. And that, that'll come too. You know, the more he's comfortable back there um, and gaining more and more confidence as the quarterback, um, I think we'll see more come out verbally. Uh, but he does command respect, and the players do respect him. He's just a great kid, a hard worker, and fantastic athlete. So there's there's no way you can't respect what he does. What uh, it's a unique challenge. Um, JJ is doing a story this Friday about you know like Wilson's quarterback is going to play a baseball game on the day of the <laughs> on the yeah. day of the game. It's a really unique challenge for two sport athletes, three sport athletes when they're playing every single sport simultaneously. Um, have you, have you talked to Anthony about that? Has he sort of indicated to you, I want to play football in college. I want to play baseball in college. Like where, where's his head at in terms of sticking with football? Yeah. You know, I, I believe he's right now, uh, leaning towards, towards baseball. And I hear nothing but great things from the baseball coaches and the future that he thinks he can have. Um, I've reached out to a lot of, in fact, all the PAC 12 coaches, football wise, just to let him know, um, who he is. Um, we don't have any film yet. Um, so I'm going to still, you know, get his film out there and, and give him that option. Um, you know, when the time comes, you know, hopefully we'll have the option between football and baseball. And I told him, said, if you just want to, you know, play baseball when you're done here, you know, I support that 100%. But if you do want to play football, I just want to know so I can help you, you know, find the best possible home um, that you can. So, again, you never know. I think right now he's leaning towards baseball. But you know, after this year and next, uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Well, one of the things that, that we, is super important that we've seen in, as far as building up a, a program is having that group of assistant coaches that you can trust and rely on. And, and you've, you've done a great job in, in keeping a, a support staff around you. How, how have you been able to do that? And, and how important do you think it is to have some continuity with your assistant coaches to, to help build things and, and you know, grow your, grow your program and get back to, towards the top of the Morley? Yeah, I'm lucky. I've got a great group of coaches, um, very experienced, and that continuity is, is super important. You know, having to, to rebuild a staff or, or fill guys in on an annual basis makes it, makes it tough. I mean, the, the players in the program uh, get to know the coaches, you know, the, the parents, the administration, and just the way we do things, it just makes for each year to become smoother and, and smoother. And I think even with COVID, this year has been, you know, in a, in a football sense, uh, easier than obviously the first year. Now we've had to deal with not having on-campus pair meetings and, and doing a lot of Zoom. But, you know, that, that first year, there's so much that, that goes into, you know, getting the program rolling in the right direction. Um, and then year two with the continuity of the coaches, um, it's just a huge, huge benefit. But they're all, you know, Great, great men, great, you know, coaches, and uh, we all get along uh, really, really well. So it's, it's a fun, fun bunch to coach with, and they all work really hard and do a great job for us. 
One of those assistant coaches with a bunch of local experience is Lynn Perriman, who used to be the head coach at Millican High School. He's now your defensive line coach. And his son, Travis Perriman, one of the better linebackers in the league. What's it like having the Perrimans out there? I asked Travis what it was like, and he was like, he's not even my dad out there. He's just, he's just another coach. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of fun. I, I actually uh, was an assistant coach here when Lynn played at Lakewood. We had a pretty, pretty no way team back then. Yeah. Um, we had a, a really good team. I think that was the year. Uh, of course, Polly probably won the league. <laughs> uh, Jordan, uh, Ortiz Jenkins was uh, the quarterback. They had a, a really good team. And we went over there and beat them 21, 14, I believe. And had a, had a, had a strong Lakewood team, but Lynn was on that team. And, you know, now he's coaching and Travis is out there. Another kid that, uh, will be recruited as a linebacker next year, another good student um, and player. Um, so it, it's a lot of fun. You know, the other day I joked, you know, I had two Perrymans to deal with out there, but it's, it's fun <laughs> having both those guys. <laughs> do, do they play similar games? Or does he remind you? Does Travis remind you of Lynn a little bit? He does. Lynn was uh, like a stand-up defensive end and, uh, you know, was a really good, you know, tough physical player. Travis has got that same toughness, and I think by by the time he's a senior, we'll be close to, you know, the size of Lynn was. Um, so it's, it's it's fun having those guys, and, and Travis is a, a tough, smart football player. So it's great. You you just mentioned uh, Polly. One of the the weird quirks of of Friday's game being canceled is it means that your your first game of the season on you know a couple of weeks notice is probably also the toughest game on the schedule. Um, and you're going up against a poly team that is, you know, pretty loaded, obviously had a, an exciting win over Sarah on Friday. Um, but also, you know, they had a lot of kids that played club, right? So that, that have got a few more games under their belt. How do you, first of all, what are your expectations, you know, and, and how do you, how do you feel about the, the way that I guess that all worked out? Yeah. I mean, again, disappointed. We didn't get, get to have at least one game before we played those guys because they are the the top of the league right now, um, very talented team, um, very well coached. So we're going to find out in a hurry, um, you know, what we have and, and what we need to, uh, to work on. So I think it's really important for us. Like you said, they've had a bit of a club season. They played last week for us to get out to a, a solid start and really just meaning that we don't go out there and commit a bunch of huge mistakes they'd give them some easy points early. You know, if they're going to score early, we've got to make them earn it. And we've got to get, you know, the game speed feel under our belts um, awful quick um, so that we can try to try to play with these guys. And if we can get into the fourth quarter, you never know what will happen. But we've got to get off to a fast start. And fast really meaning just solid, you know, doing our job and, and none of those mental mistakes that can really cost you. Coach, we've, we've asked – every coach that we've talked to for season previews, you know, what, what constitutes a successful season, you know, with, with the shortened game, no playoffs, all the, the issues that you've dealt with. And now you guys more than, more than anyone else dealing with the, the game cancellation, what constitutes a successful season with a, with a young team in such a weird year, what are you targeting as, Hey, this is going to be a successful year at Lakewood if we can accomplish these things. Yeah, that's a great question. Of course, we we're going to prepare to try to win every single game. Um, but we want to get get as much experience, game experience from these younger guys as possible. 
and try to play as many guys as possible that have shown up to practice all week and, and really earned that. Sitting home for, for over a year, you know, these guys deserve to get out on a Friday night and, you know, let it hang out a little bit. So if, you know, if we can compete and play hard and just get better each week, um, I think that's got to be success, especially if we can play a lot of, a lot of our players. Again, you know, we want to win, but right now just getting better with this young, young group, I believe we'll have 18 underclassmen that start against Bali. Um, you know, so that's really exciting for the future. Uh, but we, uh, we want to do the best we can this year for sure. Things are looking good over there at Lakewood. Thank you so much for taking the time, Coach. Really appreciate it. Best of luck on Friday night throughout the rest of the season. Say hello to the family for us, obviously. We'll see you soon. Will do. Always great to be with you guys. Take care. It's been so great getting out to so many sporting events the past couple of weeks and being able to see all the parents, coaches, and athletes that we love covering. But in order to continue to provide the coverage that we love bringing to the Long Beach community, we do need more reader support. We are so grateful to all of our subscribers, our donors, corporate partners, and everyone else that helps us do what we do. But as we ramp back up and cover more high school sports all across the city, we need more support from our readership to make that happen and to cover more of the events and news that are so important to the Long Beach community. So if you're able to help out and want to see us do more and continue to stick around in the Long Beach community, head to the 562.org. You can click on the support tab and it'll give you a bunch of different options for how to help us out. Or you can go to the top of the website, click on the subscribe button. That'll take you to our Patreon page where you can chip in what you can as a monthly subscriber to help us continue covering the Long Beach community and doing what we love bringing you the articles, videos, photo galleries, podcasts, and everything else at the562.org. It is St. Patrick's Day as we record this, and that means that somebody out there right now is stressing and filling out their March Madness bracket. It's like a tradition. St. Patrick's Day, you know the tournament is right around the corner. We wanted to do a little, not who to pick, but how to pick your March Madness bracket. Are you guys doing regular bracket stuff, even though this was definitely not a regular college basketball season? I actually did not do a bracket because I was worried I was going to jinx it. Like, <laughs> does, it, does that make sense? I'm like, just, I just, it was like, was if so you filled out, a, if you are, filled out a bracket, the whole tournament would just crumble. No, I just did. I just don't want to like put my own expectations. It's, it's more, it's not about jinxing it, but it's more for me. It's like, I didn't want to get my own expectations up. I'm just like hoping to wake up on Thursday and get to watch UCLA, Michigan state, and then watch basketball every moment that we're not out of the game covering. Uh, but I think this is the first year that we've been working together other than last year, obviously, where I haven't filled, I haven't filled one out. I'm like, just let me just watch the games and root for crazy things to happen. He's just a little stitious. Um, I'm just like medium stitious. <laughs> so I haven't filled out a bracket yet, but I plan to, and I've definitely been looking at some of the games. Um, I'm definitely excited for some of, uh, you know, our, our buddies and former Long Beach athletes uh, that will be playing in, in the tournament. Um, just off the top of my head, I know Drew Bugs from Long Beach Poly is at Missouri, and Miles Johnson, also from Poly, is uh, at Rutgers. And so both those teams, they're in 8-9 uh, and 7-10 matchups, so a, a good opportunity for both of them to move on. Always exciting for, for guys to get their first chance in the big dance. Um, but, uh, but yeah, J I, JJ, we, we didn't get a tournament last year, so it's like, how, how do you not just freak out and do all the – 
all the brackets and dive in. I mean, I've been looking at the the bracket busters and trying to pick those those upsets because I'm a guy that aims to get it perfectly right. I'm not conservative where I'm like, oh, go with chalk and then, you know, just see how it shakes out. No, I'm trying to find, I think this double digit seed is going to make it to the elite eight because there's usually one every year, right? So I try to, I try to pinpoint, I want to have the Cinderella on the bracket. Even if I overdo it and I get too adventurous, you, you got to take some risks. Yeah. My first advice would be also don't get cute in the final four. Like you can pick one upset in the, in the elite eight, maybe, but like, don't, don't just be like, Oh, I, I got this team and I got that team. So I'm going to pick the best teams to make the final four guys. That's, that's usually how it works out. And then we see what happens after that. I do have some other ones. I, Mike or uh, Tyler, you mentioned the seeds. I don't know, dude. I think you forget the seeds and you do your research. Get on those previews, get on all the different websites. ESPN obviously has some really great ones and see what other people are saying. See what the teams have done during the season. Obviously the one, two, three, four seeds, you know, you're going to pick them most of the time, but the other times like those seven, 10 games, there's no reason why the 10 seed is any worse than the seven seed. They're just from different parts of the country and they didn't play that season. You know what I mean? So somebody else decided that I say, get in there, do your research and check out what other people think are going to happen in that game. Not just by what seed they are. A lot of the, I think a, a couple of the 10 seeds are favorites. <laughs> so clearly like the, you know, the seeding has been inverted. So I, I agree with you. A lot of that doesn't necessarily matter, or it could be a, you know, a, a 12 that's trending the right direction and a five that's going the opposite direction. I mean, you look at Creighton looked terrible in their last game as a five seed. The big yep. East doesn't look that strong that, you know, this year. And then now you've got a 12 coming in and UCSB. It's got a great score. They, you know, they've, they've won a bunch of a bunch of games in a row. Um, and, and there could be a dangerous team. So it's, there, there's who, a lot of those fun matchups and that's the most fun in the tournament, honestly, is trying to pick those, uh, those upsets. Always. Who, who do you guys like? Like, I mean, who do you think is going to win? I, I have to say. Gonzaga? I, yeah, yeah I mean, Gonzaga's right. just separated themselves, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Got a chance to watch them a couple of times this year, and it was like, oh, okay, this looks like it. <laughs> I, also every, I also every year make sure I pick teams with senior guards, senior point guards being the best, but senior guards specifically. And this season, with fewer games, more on the line, more like, you know, make the most out of your moment type feel of this bracket. Senior guards, I think, are going to rule this bracket. Usually they do, but I think especially this year. Well, and one thing that was pointed out that I think is super interesting is there could be fewer upsets because, and JJ, you, you, you know, I, I know you can speak to this because we were there at covering the NCAA tournament live with Long Beach State, which has been um, a long time ago now, but, but still, you, you felt the energy in the building. And everyone was uh, that was like a neutral fan was rooting for the underdog every time. So there was always that buzz. And anytime the underdog did something, it was always like, Ooh, they'd get that hum. Right. And they would start to be like, is this the moment? Is this the eight Oh run that changes the game? And they're not going to have that this year. There's not going to be fans to the level that can really lift those underdogs in those key moments. You know, when they're coming down the stretch, and you've got an Ali Fruit Manesh pulling up from the logo Kansas. So it's like, I, I don't know if you get that, that reference, same Tyler. Lift. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're going to be that same lift this year. So maybe fewer upsets. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But maybe the big teams will feel off because they're used to playing in big arenas and they're, they don't have the crowd noise. I don't know. It's, it's all up in the air, but I'm looking forward to it. I love that reference, Tyler. You have no idea. That's like <laughs> one of my all-time favorite NCAA <laughs> Uh, basketball moments. Farouk Manesh just 
with balls as big as planets, dude. Unbelievable moment. Uh, I was going to say, when you're picking your bracket and you're struggling late, right? You've got your Sweet 16 teams, and who knows what's going to happen in the Sweet 16. It's so hard to predict that stuff before you see teams play. I always use defense as the tiebreaker. Don't look at who's got the best team. Don't look at who came from the best conference. Look at who can stop the other team for two and a half, three minutes, go on an 8-0 run like Tyler just said, and pull off an upset or make a little bit, make a lead a little bit bigger late in the second half. I always think defense when I'm trying to like decide between two teams that are really similar. I'm I'm a I guess a rebounding guy. I love teams that crash the offensive glass. And I think if there's an opportunity for extra possessions. I think that that, and it's usually a good look too. If you get an offensive rebound, it's usually a good look. And so, you know, that, I think that can be a, a great equalizer um, for, for pulling upsets, just getting those extra possessions. And then you can also get that if you can force a bunch of turnovers. So um, I, I think I, I see, I see what you mean. And obviously getting a rebound is the last part of a defensive stop, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think rebounding is a big key and something that I look at in, um, in trying to, differentiate between two teams winning the glass is huge i also think people should do a lot of different stuff do a lot of brackets do different brackets you know get on FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever they've got different ways to pick the games you can pick by the day and stuff like that and then in-game betting is also a lot of fun especially if your bracket's busted and it's late in the bracket sweet 16 elite eight you can get to know the teams over the first two weeks and then actually make some money because you have more information. There's just so many different ways to, uh, to get involved and predict this tournament that you just, I feel like you have to do it. Am I the only one who feels like the tournament doesn't feel like the tournament unless you're rooting for somebody? <laughs> well, no, cause I'll, I'll say this. The, the one thing that I find most annoying about the NCAA tournament is when there's like an awesome upset happens and then you go on social media and there's a bunch of ding dongs talking about like my bracket got busted. It's like you were rooting for the boring result for your bracket. So you could win $8 in the office pool, bro. Like, uh, you know, the, I, I would say this, I just have a different perspective on sports and life and everything, obviously, than we all did 12 months ago. I'm really looking forward to just like, just appreciating it. And, and I've been thinking, um, I was talking about this on a different podcast. You know, this season didn't go well for the Long Beach State men's basketball team. But I thought about what Dan Munson and the players talked to us about throughout the year of how much they all sacrificed in order to play that season, right? I mean, pretty much all these kids who are playing in this tournament um, over the next week, the NCAA is going to make a lot of money. CBS is going to make a lot of money. You know, the, the, the betting sites can make a lot of money. The kids aren't going to make that money. But they're the ones who really sacrificed. I mean, a lot of these kids, they didn't get to see their families over the holiday break. Um, some of them have been basically quarantining in their dorm room for four months for this chance. And, you know, you look at a guy like KJ Fagan, who was looking like it was going to be a really special NCAA tournament last year that was snatched away from it at the last minute. So I'm fully going to be in like dad mode, just letting the basketball wash over me for a week. <laughs> And just genuinely being so appreciative and thankful that, you know, all those guys gave up and the women in the women's tournament that everyone gave up what they gave up to play in it. Um, so it, it feels more like a cult. I guess my answer to your question, Jage, is it feels more like a cultural, like a celebration to me than like the great, you know, best structured sports tournament in the world that it, that I normally feel like it is. It feels to me almost like a, the light coming out the end of the tunnel, sort of a, a festival, I guess. <laughs> Well, and don't forget, Mike, the players do get six sticks of branded deodorant from an NCAA <laughs> corporate partner. So 
they sort of do get paid when you think about it. But I will say that was a that was a great point of like the oh my bracket got busted is like I couldn't possibly care any less about anyone else's bracket or like what their situation is. can't care situation less about is. mine like, when you get a good result. That was literally no what I was going to close this segment with was good luck on your brackets and don't tell me how it <laughs> If you're perfect, fine. I, that information I want to know after like a full round. Yeah, you're going to hear that at, you're going to hear that you're going to hear that at 1 p.m. on Friday that people are perfect, you know. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it puts them in the same category as people that get mad at athletes for getting injured because they were on their fantasy team. Like, I drafted you and it's just like I don't know who you are and I don't care to. It's also very weird that they're doing it a day later. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, not the classic Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's also like it. Feel weird. But you I know, like what? it. Bring on the weird, dude. It's not like we haven't gotten used to it already. <laughs> yeah, Mike doesn't like it because he's got he's got uh, Maya's T ball game in the heart of the Saturday games. And well, the I first just... two days of the tournament are the best days of the tournament. I, are we not in Without question. Are we not entitled to spend all day Thursday and Friday watching like a hundred basketball? I mean, I, it's like the, watching the first two games or the first two days on weekdays, especially when you have jobs like ours. Where you I was just going to say, Mike, home. you people who are listening to this are like, screw you, dude. I got, I got an extra tooth, uh, an extra day to watch it. Like, I, I don't know. A lot of but people. There's also people out there like Ryan who like, that's what they do with their work day. You know what I mean? So, it's like yeah, they but, show up and they open the door and then they're just plugged into the computer for the whole day. Like, but there's some people who are literally going to be able to watch the first round for the first time in their entire lives. You know what I mean? Uh, on Saturday, that would usually be Friday. Most people work jobs who can't get away and just sit down in front of the television all day. They're going to actually get first round action. But they're going to get the Sunday games are going to be on Monday. So you know what I mean? Like you, you, you win some, you lose some. I don't know. Whatever. I think Tyler's right. The first, I think the first round is always the best. Just give us the whole week off, man. Make it a national holiday. We've been through enough. You're not going to give us a $50 minimum wage. Give us something. We're all on board with that. You can keep your President's Day. You can keep your Columbus Day or whatever they call it now. Just give us Election oh. Day and oh. the first two days of the uh, of the March Madness off, and we'll call it we'll call it even. Speaking of Maya, my daughter wants me to wish everyone a happy Thanks Patrick's Day. So. <laughs> oh, Saint you, Maya. <laughs> As we wrap up another great episode of What Up Long Beach, we want to once again thank all of our sponsors, including Ocean Law Center. Visit OceanLawCenter.com for information on all the services that they provide. Thank you so much for your support, Long Beach, and we will see you soon.